KFI and KOST HD2, Los Angeles, Orange County. She likes to call it Friday Eve. Here's Jennifer Jones Lee with your Thursday morning wake up call. All I can say is, you know what? I know people say, man, you've got such a long drive. Like 45 minutes, 50 minutes, something like that. But I don't mind it. I know people are like, why don't you mind it? So sometimes it's just me alone with my thoughts. And this morning, I couldn't help but think, this is a lovely commute. There's no rain. There's no snow. Just light wind. Then I was like, oh, that's right. I commute 45 minutes every morning. Kind of sucks. But not nearly as bad as yesterday. I'm a half, you know, glass half full kind of girl. And any time that I'm on my way to work and I have to flip around and go home, it's a rough morning. So today, I'm telling you guys, enjoy it. Be happy about it. It's a good commute out there. In fact, we'll get into that with Nick Pagliocchini in just a bit. This is your wake-up call. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee on this Friday Eve. Governor Newsom has declared a state of emergency for the mountain communities in San Bernardino County and the areas that are still just buried under the snow. I'll get you the stories of some of the people who are pleading for help digging out from under several feet of snow. Also, prosecutors in L.A. have asked a judge to officially declare a man innocent after he spent 38 years in prison for crimes DNA says he did not commit. And I cannot wait to tell you the story of a chicken named Peanut. His chicken, this chicken, <laughs> just uh, made a world record. And the funniest part about how the chicken made the world record is how in the hell they verified it, right? Is that a tease this morning? You'll stick around for a chicken named Peanut. 505, we're going to talk with ABC's Ibtissam Food. At least 43 people were killed and more than 80 others were injured in a head-on collision between a freight train and passenger train in Greece late yesterday. Human error seems to be to blame, but I want to get into it and uh, talk a little bit more about sort of the repercussions. So let's start with some of these stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. We are stuck. We are stranded. We are feeling defeated. People who live in the San Bernardino Mountains have been pleading for digging out from under several feet of snow. A man who lives in Crestline says they need more plows because there's up to five feet of packed snow covering the roads. Some locals say people have been without power for days and others say they desperately need supplies. All of the stores are running low on food and water supplies, um, the gas stations barely have any gas. Officials say they're focused on providing food, medicine, and access to those who need it. They say it could take several days to clear the roads and maybe even more than a week for some areas. Governor Newsom has declared a state of emergency for those mountain communities in San Bernardino County. Now, the declaration will send support to 13 counties, including L.A. The state can now coordinate with Caltrans and other agencies to get extra snow plows, road crews, and supplies to help clear the snow and help those people like those people you just heard who are trapped at home and restore the power. The California National Guard is also on standby to help. The severe storm dumped an historic seven feet of snow in the San Bernardino Mountains in total. 
You're wondering what that is. It's a rock slide. It blocked Malibu Canyon Road in the Santa Monica Mountains. The rocks and boulders tumbled down the hillside yesterday afternoon, just south of uh, Payuma Road. The road is closed in both directions. We'll get more on that in traffic in just a second. But officials say in Malibu, there is no ETA for reopening. Now, to check out more of our snow coverage and all the videos, you can go to KFI's Instagram and TikTok. The FBI says it's looking for an alleged child rapist from Manhattan Beach. The Manhattan Beach Police Department says it's been looking for Edgardo Dormido Jr. since 2015, but they've hit a wall. That's why they called in the feds. Dormido was charged with sex with a child under 10 or younger, forcible sex acts on a child, and two counts of lewd acts on a child. Police say he's Asian, 48, 5'4", 130 pounds, with brown eyes and black hair. He may have taken off to the Philippines. Investigators say Dormido still has family in the L.A. area. You can see his picture on our website, kfiem640.com slash FBI. Steve Gregory, KFI News. Human error. That's believed to be the cause of the collision, head-on collision between a freight train and passenger train yesterday in Greece that killed at least 43 people. Ibtissim Genfood is on with us this morning. Ibtissim, good morning. Human error. Um, so this was a station conductor or, or explain the, I guess, um, the workings of how it is in Greece with these trains. Yes. Hi, Jennifer. So as you said, this deadly train collision has killed uh, at least uh, 43 people and now three more uh, bodies have been found uh, in the wreckage. Um, this uh, has been announced by the Greek prime minister yesterday who said that uh, the accident was mainly due to a tragic human error. And uh, by that, uh, he meant uh, that of the station master. So that is the person who uh, decides uh, which uh, track the trains are on at a certain time. Uh, the investigation so far has revealed that the two trains were on the same track for 12 minutes. Um, so the, the many questions as to how that could have happened, how those two trains were on the same track for that long. Um, but uh, so far, the investigations uh, have uh, not um, revealed more. It is still ongoing. In fact, rescue operations are continuing. They resumed this morning. Uh, the cranes, especially, which are so instrumental in lifting the rail cars and clearing the debris, have resumed operations. Um, and uh, they are now uh, working on the third car. The two first uh, cars of the passenger train uh, are completely gone. Uh, they've been destroyed in uh, the collision, um, and now they are working to find uh, more uh, bodies. Unfortunately, there's no uh, sign of survivors anymore uh, under that wreckage because there are still people unaccounted for. That's devastating. I think the one thing yesterday was I, I assumed it was some sort of human error once I heard, like you said, that they were on the track at the same time for 12 minutes. But then immediately, I think, you know, uh, the in investigator in me went, oh, my gosh, are there any is there any criminality to this? Are investigators looking at that at all? Well, at this stage, they've not indicated that criminal um, a criminal motive uh, has uh, is part of what they're looking at. Uh, at this stage, they're uh, looking at it simply uh, from uh, an error point of view. Uh, and the reaction from the public has also been uh, that this was mostly an error linked to uh, incompetence. Um, mm. They have been protests that erupted in Athens yesterday, and they're continuing uh, today to denounce the responsibility of uh, decision makers and of the railway company in this tragedy. Uh, parts of Greece's rail services were privatized in 2017 uh, under a package from the European Union and the IMF. 
And uh, an Italian company has acquired the passenger and freight operations in Greece ever since. So they said it was uh, working now with uh, this company is working with authorities on the investigation. But the protest over uh, the abandonment of of, of sovereignty of Greek sovereignty ownership on critical national infrastructure is uh, not going away. New protests announced again, as I said uh, today. Uh, And yesterday there were clashes with the police over it. So um, probably we'll have to keep an eye out for that today as well. All right. Ibtissam, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right. See, that's Ibtissam Genfood and uh, with the latest there on Greece. You know, I started thinking yesterday, I would assume that the FAA would get some sort of notification if two planes were about to collide, if they're on the same path. Right. We've heard of all these different situations recently, and I think around the Boston area specifically where they've had a number of near misses. You know, one plane is maybe taken off while one plane is about to land on the same runway. But there's an alert in nine times out of 10. They're able to make it so that that there's no crash. Right. But in this situation, I'm so curious as to for 12 minutes was no alarm going off. Let's just say, and I have no idea if this is the case, let's just say that the station master fell asleep. Let's say the guy was in the bathroom. I don't know. Wouldn't there have been some sort of huge alarm going off for a big amount of time to notify them that something was off? And is the station master the only one? They're probably glad I'm not at that news conference, right? Prosecutors in L.A. have asked a judge to officially declare a man innocent after he spent 38 years in prison for crimes they say he did not commit. Maurice Hastings was convicted of abducting and murdering a woman in Inglewood in the 1980s. He was cleared from the conviction when DNA testing done last year matched another man. Hastings' sentence was dropped last October and he was released from custody. The DA asked the judge to declare the man factually innocent at a hearing yesterday. Chris Adler, KFI News. Orange County. County DA Todd Spitzer has publicly opposed a $4 million state grant to the county public defender's office. Supervisors unanimously voted this week to accept the money. Spitzer says the legislature is not funding the courts. He says lawmakers are committed to early release from prisons and funding public defenders across the state to work for people who've already been sentenced. The union representing LAPD officers says it supports a proposed plan that would divert officers away from nonviolent calls. Calls for things like homeless camp cleanup, non-fatal accidents, certain school calls, welfare checks, those would be handled by an unarmed response team. The union freeing up the officers from these types of calls says the quicker response to life and death calls allows more time to engage in community policing. And a fourth audit of the Orange County Power Authority has found issues with transparency, accountability, and financial stability. As a young organization, there are certainly areas where we need to improve. OCPA CEO Brian Probalski says the $300 million clean energy agency is operating in the black. Our team put together a 19-point draft improvement plan. The state audit released Tuesday also criticized $1.8 million in contracts approved with little board oversight and a lack of competent staffing. We've already begun working on many of the suggested improvements. OCPA Powers Fullerton and Buena Park, Irvine and 
Huntington Beach are considering opting out. Orange County opted out in December. In Orange County, Corbin Carson, KFI News. All right, let's say good morning now to Mike Debusky, our ABC News technology reporter. It is Elon Musk Master Plan Part 3. Mike Phyllison, good morning. Good morning. Yes, it absolutely is a Tesla day in the tech world. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Jen, this is the third iteration of Musk's Master Plan. The first one came out back in 2006, and it essentially amounted to a blog post. It was like, we're going to make a sports car that's electric, and we're going to use the money generated from that to make more affordable cars. And they largely executed on that goal. Then in 2016, we got Master Plan Part 2, or Part 2, as a... <laughs> in Tesla parlance, uh, they, everything at Tesla has kind of a funny name, uh, but he spent that time talking about robo-taxis and, and solar power and that sort of thing. Now, uh, a maybe a little bit sooner, sooner than we were expecting, uh, we're getting Master Plan Part 3, and he's using it to talk about creating a, a fully sustainable Earth, in his words, uh, basically eliminating fossil fuels. And, and he spent three and a half hours uh, in Austin, Texas at the Gigafactory, their headquarters there, uh, talking about how he plans to do that. And it's always interesting to me when Elon Musk, it's like the old E.F. Hutton, you know, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Or uh, So in this case for Elon Musk, when he spoke yesterday, Tesla stock went down. I think, is it a deliverable? Right. Are people just saying, I'm not sure he can deliver on all of these big ideas that he has? You know, analysts are certainly, you know, raising their eyebrows about some of this stuff. I mean, it's pretty ambitious goals, certainly. Uh, you know, he he is planning to transition the entire Earth's power grid over to renewable power. He's planning to make a lot more EVs, heat pumps in your home, electric planes and boats and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, Jen, I think you're absolutely right that, like, if you go back into Tesla's history, they have failed to deliver on some of the promises they've made. I mean, you know, we go back to Master Plan Part 2. And, you know, we're not riding around in robo-taxis. Uh, mm. You know, that, that plan is kind of dead in the water. Solar power, I mean, they do sell solar power, but it is expensive, and you yeah. know, it's, they've kind of struggled to get that off the ground. I think that's certainly part of it. And as you mentioned, yeah, uh, in after-hours trading, Tesla stock down 5 6% or so. We'll see what it does today. When he, when Elon Musk's, it Musk gives these kinds of, you know, pie in the sky, here's my idea, I do find it fascinating because the guy does have crazy cool ideas mm. but when it comes to things that he can actually say tomorrow we've got we're going to be able to do this or we've already got the infrastructure in place to do that did he mention any of that in that three and a half hours yesterday well, I think that gets back to your last question, actually, is why, you know, investors were maybe a little bit less impressed with this event. I think some maybe were going into this investor day thinking that we would see a new product. It was not unusual to see, you know, new Tesla concept cars or, you know, robots, dancing robots and that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, you know, at some of these things. This was actually, you know, if you go back and watch it, three and a half hours, kind of dry, kind of technical stuff. Interesting stuff, certainly to, to a certain cohort. But like it, it I, I think so. Some people were expecting him to drive a car up on stage and say, this is going to be our $25,000 EV. And that really just didn't pan out. Well, I think after you have him walking into the Twitter headquarters carrying a sink, Absolutely. you know, like you expect quirky, you expect headline making. You right. kind of don't expect three and a half hours of wonk from him. Certainly. And I think that the Twitter part of this is interesting to talk about as well, because obviously, you know, he's sort of 
still managing that company, although there are rumors that, you know, he's planning to step down as CEO and, and replace, uh, you know, himself with a, a, a sort of, um, you know, a, a person in his orbit soon. Um, but like, that's another part of this. I mean, Twitter, you know, content moderation, social media, like that's going to take up a lot of his attention and energy, uh, you know, while he's balancing Tesla, while he's balancing SpaceX, which is, you know, sending satellites <laughs> in, into space and the boring company is digging tunnels under Las Vegas. So yeah, yeah. he's got a lot. There's a lot going on here um and yeah i think you're right we do come to expect a certain amount of uh you know uh, quirk and and uh showmanship from these events but uh yeah this the last one yeah it's more of just a sort of white paper i think yeah and i and i bet um and obviously i don't know for sure but i bet investors looked at this and thought that's lovely that you have all these big ideas, Elon, but you also have ideas for Twitter and you also have mm -hmm. ideas for boring and you you know everything else and maybe if Every headline coming out recently, to my knowledge, at least when I'm reading the news, mostly is all about Elon Musk and Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it's almost an afterthought to go, oh, right, 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 Tesla. He's the Tesla guy. Right. And you have to wonder if those investors watched that yesterday and kind of had that same feeling of, oh, yeah, he's coming up with some cool stuff, but okay, let's get a little more specific on what you can give to us to continue us giving our money to you. Right, right. And, and this presentation was pretty high on ambition but light on specifics. Yeah, they did announce yeah. some some tangible stuff. They are their next factory is going to be built in Mexico. It's going to underpin or excuse me, it's going to be the place where they build their next generation of electric vehicle. Tesla's cars are getting kind of old. The Model S and the Model X, uh, you know, run on a platform that is almost is more than a decade old now. Um, and then the Model 3 and the Model Y, the cheaper versions, they came out back in 2017. So, you know, stuff's kind of getting a little familiar, a little dusty, perhaps. <laughs> um, so they, they do need, uh, you know, some new, uh, some fresh product. And they, they think that this Mexico plant is going to be where they do that. They also showed off some sort of more flights of fancy. We got a little look at Optimus, which is their dancing robot. Uh, you know, it looks a little bit more uh, put together than the last time we saw it at AI Day uh, right. last year. Um, and then they also showed off this concept of a, a Tesla diner, which, uh, you know, sounds uh, sort of silly. But, you know, if you think about it, uh, the, their intention is to put it next to supercharger stations to give people something to do while, uh -oh. uh, while their cars are charging. So Honestly, I thought yeah. that was the brilliant part of it. Like, OK, <laughs> now that's something I can wrap my head around because it just makes good business sense. Uh, totally. And that's also why you see, you know, Tesla's with YouTube and, yeah. and Xbox integration in yep. them. Like, it's what, what do you do while you're sitting there for, you know, at minimum? an hour uh, to charge your car sometimes. So, um, yeah, no, that, that that's kind of the interesting thing about electric cars, right, is that it sort of forces you to rethink your relationship to the car in a lot of ways. You know, you can't just go into a gas station and fill up in five minutes. Um, or if you want a really fast, fast charging EV, you're going to spend a lot of money to do that. So, yeah. you know, it sort of forces us to rethink a little bit, and Tesla certainly has its eye on that. Mike, you're great. I hope we talk again. I, I do, too. Thanks, Jennifer. I enjoyed it. See you later. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. ABC's Mike Dubusky. All right. Michelle and Tyler, can you please join me on this next segment? Because I think that I think you're going to have something to say about this. We're here. All right. Can we talk about Peanut the Chicken? Yeah. Tell me more about Peanut the Chicken. Peanut is a 20-year-old hen from southern Michigan. And Peanut has been verified as the world's oldest chicken. So Guinness World Records says Peanut has outlived every other chicken on the planet. Peanut mm. was born in the spring of 2002 and raised from birth 
by a retired librarian in Chelsea. Wow. Now here's my, here's, here's the best part of the story. Her owner is named Marcy Darwin. Marcy says Peanut is an intelligent chicken who answers to her name and enjoys watching TV while sitting on Darwin's lap. One thing I will say is that I have heard that chickens are fairly smart animals. Mm. So I believe the intelligence factor as far as the oldest chicken on the planet ever sounds like a stretch. So here's what editor Carla asked me, which was going to be my question. How do you verify the age of a chicken? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean. Like rings on a tree, feathers on a, well, I don't even know. If the owner says this chicken was born in 2002. How do we know that? You got to believe, well. Is there a chicken birth certificate? Hey, Jen, how old is Betty White? Okay, well, she's eight months. Uh Uh-huh. Go on. I have video of the day she was born. Uh Uh-huh. Time stamped. Keep going. I don't know. Do you know if there's... I think if it's your pet, you're going to be able to know when it was born, right? (sighs) Some people make chickens their pets, Jen. Apparently, Marcy Darwin's advice for raising a long-living chicken is make sure it gets plenty of exercise and has a healthy diet. (laughs) What the hell is going on? And a guy in Pennsylvania has been charged with trying to take an explosive device on a plane. Trevor Alt says TSA officials found a circular compound in a clear plastic bag in the guy's luggage. The suitcase also containing a can of butane, a lighter, a pipe with white powder residue, a wireless drill with cordless batteries, and two electrical outlets taped together with black tape. Officials called the FBI and say that the device posed a significant threat to, uh, threat to the plane and passengers. The FBI says the man was asked to report to a security office, but he just cruised out of the airport instead. Then he was arrested later in the day at his home. Let's say good morning now to ABC's crime and terrorism analyst, Brad Garrett. So, Brad, let's talk about now the origins of COVID-19. What I thought was so interesting is when you have the FBI director come out and say, this is where we think it's got a low probability, but this is where we think COVID-19 originated. But then you have all these other agencies, including the energy department, saying, "Man, we're not so sure about that. I, I felt like. It was a little bit more of the same yesterday in that nobody still can definitively put their finger on where COVID-19 began. And so there lies the problem. You had the FBI in April 2020 say it was more likely that it came. uh, We got it because of a lab leak. You now have DOE, Department of Energy, recently saying with a little less confidence, but that they believe that it was more likely it came from a lab leak. The problem in getting to the word definitive, Jennifer, is that having access to what the Chinese have access to uh, is just not going to happen. I mean, they're not going to be transparent about this because none of it's good for them any way you look at it. Um, I think the lab leak scenario does make the most sense on, on a number of levels. A, you know, did the Chinese intentionally leak it? Well, I mean, think about that. They would have killed millions of their own people, infected hundreds of millions, damaged their economy big time. I just don't see that as is a viable option. Lab leak. I mean, there's been other lab leaks at that particular lab. Um, they were doing re- research on coronavirus, so there was that virus inside this lab. 
The third scenario, of course, has been this, the animal scenario that because they keep live animals in their markets, uh, that it started there. There are some scientists that still think that that's a possibility, but I, you know, my, my sense would be that the lab leak seems, as I said earlier, make the most sense. But getting the the information or evidence to say that is what happened, uh, I think we're a long way from that, and I'm not sure we'll get there, but we'll see. Yeah, because China has essentially scoffed at that FBI claim that it came out of that lab in Wuhan uh, based on the poor track record of fraud and deception of the U.S. intelligence community. The conclusions they have drawn have no credibility whatsoever. That was a spokesperson statement from the Chinese foreign ministry. Right. And unfortunately, we've given them a lot of, of information just about our intelligence agencies and how you know, various components of the media and other folks have gone at them, sort of destroying their legitimacy to a certain extent. So it makes it, it, makes it easy for places like China to say those kind of things, sadly. Of course. And in the rhetoric that's going to go to the Chinese people, which we know is in such a, you know, a tunnel anyway, then that's it's kind of like what Russia does. You know, it just gives its own rhetoric. You know, doesn't matter what the actual truth is. It's what Russia wants its people to know. In this case, it feels like what China wants its people to know. And I guess what I'm I'm curious about is when it comes to the origins of COVID-19, let's just say that China miraculously agreed and said, yes, it did come out of this lab in Wuhan. Would that lab actually be penalized or face any criminality or anything like that? Like, I guess what I'm saying is, is it is China trying to protect its own? I would think that on, in this big scale of things, it really wouldn't matter at this point. We're kind of we're past it. You know, it's it's almost like we're doing a postmortem on where did COVID come from now that we're nearing the end of the pandemic? So China, I think there would be no reason I can think of would ever want to admit what happened. Uh, and, you know, they may well have punished people that worked in that lab. We, we'll, we'll just never we'll just never know that. But I, I think that the, the 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 real answer, the real bottom line here is really so important because think, Jennifer, about future the future and other potential lab leaks or even intentional use of biological weapons, maybe by an extremist or terrorist group. Um I mean, all of these things, the more information you have, it's like anything else, the better you can defend yourself and your country if, if you know exactly what happened. And I think that's why we're being persistent. The FBI will keep working it. And, uh, you know, let's be real. You and I don't know what the FBI know from a classified standpoint. Right. And so there may there may be even more information to support their view that it, that it actually for sure came from this lab. And that it was an accident. All right. Thank you so much, Brad, for your time this morning. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. All right. See you later. That is ABC's crime and terrorism analyst, Brad Garrett. And he's absolutely right. There is no way in Hades that China's ever going to go. Yeah, we did. I'm sorry. It was ours. It was our lab. Sorry. All right. So we were talking about peanut the chicken a second ago. And it's fun. Carla is filling in kind of like Michelle. Carla is filling in as our overnight editor right now until we get a new overnight editor. And uh, when she heard my peanut, the chicken story this morning, 
She said in other chicken-related news, this might be the grossest thing I've heard of. It's a new flavor of ice cream at Baskin-Robbins. Baskin-Robbins is coming out with fried chicken ice cream. The flavor of the month for March is chicken and waffles ice cream. Now, the chain describes it as a sweet buttermilk waffle-flavored ice cream with chicken and waffled flavor bites. Nick Pagliocchini, I hear you in the background. Oh, yeah. And with a, funnier a part swirl of, that. of bourbon maple syrup flavor. No, we're going to be testing that on uh, this weekend with Nick Pagliocchini tomorrow on Later with Mo Kelly. Yeah, it's, it actually sounds like I think it, it sounds would be delicious. Good. Yeah. What is wrong with the two of you? Well, okay. <laughs> You're off the show. All right. Uh, oh, okay. Bye. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm basing now your uh, your work on your, your flavor palettes. No, that's cool. Okay, so that's uh, Nick. You'll be on with Mo Friday. What time again? Uh, this weekend with Nick is at uh, 8 p.m. on Friday, uh, later with Mo Kelly. But okay. We're actually going to be testing that because we, we've mm. been messaging about it. Mo is somebody, if Mo, anybody, oh. well, we know you tune in, but he hates he sweet and savory. Hates, hates it. Hates it. Mo, so. Mo won't try a lot of stuff. That's correct. So the Except fact for, that you're getting him to try this is huge. Yeah. So we're, 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 we're testing out a segment called Mo or No Go. So... It's yes. uh, will he do it or will he not? And we've done this with a couple of things with some sweet and savory items to this point. So, yeah, that will be tomorrow night's activity. So you can definitely tune in later with Mo Kelly here on KFI from 7 to 10 weekdays. And I'll be joining him with this weekend with Nick Pagliocchini at 8 o'clock. OK, I love it. Classes have been canceled at a high school in Ventura County where a large sinkhole swallowed a car. It was a 10-foot wide, 20-foot long sinkhole right in front of Santa Paula High School. Ventura County Fire officials say oh, the car belonged to a staff member. Sandy Steers, Executive Director of Friends of Big Bear Valley, joins us now this morning. Sandy, good morning. I can't tell you how many people I know who go to the Eagle Cam to watch Jackie and Shadow. I would venture to say that they are some of the biggest celebrities that we have in San Bernardino County. Yes, I think they are. It's pretty funny. <laughs> All right. So Jackie and Shadow, for people who are like, wait, I know those names. They are the two eagles that have an eagle cam on them that we've been watching. And uh, last year, it was so fun to watch as, you know, the eaglets pecked out of their shells. This year, there are two eggs there. But I think you have some sad news for us. Yeah, the those eggs have um, been there too long without showing any signs of hatching. So it looks like they're not going to. Okay, so go through the process with me, if you wouldn't mind. Once these eggs are laid, what's the time frame there to know if they're going to be a viable egg or not? Uh, the um, the normal for bald eagles is about 35 days that they sit on it. Up here, I think because of the higher altitude and different temperatures, it's usually 38 to 39 days. And... Um, it's now been over 45 days so there's, that the eggs are in there. There's no chance. Not really, no. It's, what, um, yeah. What What could have contributed to it? Um, did the Did they not um, I, sit on them long enough? Was it too cold? Was it, what could, do you think, have played a role in maybe these eggs not hatching? Well, it could have even been that uh, they were not fertilized. That's happened before when they sat on eggs for a long time that didn't hatch. When they were finally uh, preyed upon by ravens, uh, we saw that the eggs had not developed at all. So that's one possibility. 
and others are the the cold and you know thing different temperatures it's been much colder this year than the other years when they've laid the eggs at this time of year and so it, yes it definitely could have been the temperature or any other number of things i know that there was one picture specifically that i saw and i think it's jackie who is sitting on the eggs and the nest is filled with snow it looks like inches of snow in that nest and i thought yes. oh you know that i that's got to play when it comes to the temperature and we all know that that's the key in this um, that's got to have been some days were nice and warm. And then all of a sudden you have inches of snow in the nest. Right. We had, yeah, we had inches of snow in the nest more than once while they were sitting on the eggs and the eagles, the adult eagles can handle it, but we're not sure that the eggs themselves can, even when the eagles are sitting on them, just because they have to change places, they get up every once in a while. And we don't know what the temperature is there on that nest with all the snow. When it comes to how many eggs are laid, will, if, if Jackie and Shadow, you know, get back together and do their thing, could we see more eggs in the future? What, I guess, is the cycle? The Usually it's once a year, but they have in the past laid eggs twice in the same season, a second clutch. And um, it depends on how long it takes them, you know, how late in the season it is when they give up on these. They haven't given up yet. And um, whether or not it's going to be too warm, they mostly go by how light in the day it is, um, you know, be, by the cycle of, of the seasons and by the temperatures. And so we've seen Jackie get ready when it gets cold is when she starts getting ready and wanting to add sticks to the nest and be with shadow. And, and so if it stays cold like this, it's possible that it could, work later into the season. She has laid eggs as late as March. All right, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed then that we see more eggs coming our way. But thank you so much, Sandy, for coming on this morning. I was I was so hopeful that there was still going to be some sort of hope that those eggs might hatch, but I understand now. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Thanks thank for having me. Absolutely. Sandy Steers is executive director of the Friends of Big Bear Valley. Oh. I was hoping that was not going to be the case. Hey, do you need a gig? Home Depot is hiring for the spring season. I guess they've got 500 full and part-time positions open in SoCal. They are in customer service, sales, store support, freight operations, merchandising, a little bit of everything, I guess. Indeed.com says Home Depot merchandisers earn $16.24 an hour. Sales associates make $15.96 an hour. And if you're a warehouse worker, you get paid $18.37 an hour. People can apply at careers.homedepot.com. Well, more people are being diagnosed with colon cancer at a younger age. The American Cancer Society says one in five new cases were in people younger than 55 in 2019. 30 years ago, only about one in 10 of the new cases were in those under 55. 60% of the cases diagnosed in 2019 were at an advanced stage, up from 57% in 1995 when routine screening was less common. Colon cancer is the third most common form of cancer and the second deadliest. On a positive note, survival rates are up thanks to screening and better treatments. The Cancer Society recommends colon cancer screening for anyone over 45. Amy King, KFI News. First off, please heed Amy's suggestions of screening because... 
Amy, as you know, she's been very open with her story, is a colon cancer survivor. And she's also been very open with the fact that she didn't go until maybe three years after the recommendation at that time, which would have been 50. And not that it would have made a difference. It seems like Amy's tumor had been with her for years. But she also says, I just would have known sooner. And, you know, Amy's cancer free and doing wonderfully. But uh, when I hear her story, and I might be over 45 by two years. Mm. It, uh, I did actually get uh, a referral from my doctor. So I'm going to go get that colonoscopy. Mm. But you know what, you guys? It's not that big a deal. I know it's going to suck. I know drinking the stuff that you're supposed to drink is going to suck. But from what I understand, once you're in the doctor's office, woo, you get a little propofol, you take a little nap, you wake up and all is well and right with the world. And you are hungry because you haven't eaten. And you can go have whatever you want. That's the day when you go and get like extra cheese. Treat and, yourself. Yeah, you treat yourself because you deserve it after that. So anyway, once I finally get the freaking colonoscopy, I'll tell you about my experience. Oh, wait, this is what you could go get. Burger King is bringing back one of its fan favorite foods. So yesterday we were talking about KFC bringing back the double double, which is the bunless chicken sandwich. So you just get two pieces of fried chicken with bacon and cheese and mayonnaise or something. Yeah. What are you hungry? No, it sounds awful. But please tell me what Burger King is. You know what? I I can't get into that because my hands would be touching two pieces of chicken. can Can we stop replacing buns? Leave the bun alone. Yeah, like donuts for buns. <laughs> Ooh, I tried that, by Pieces the way. Pieces of at fried the fair. chicken for buns. It was two Krispy Kremes yeah, with chicken in the middle. No. Nope. <sighs> Anywho, back Please. to Burger King. The fast food chain says customers can order three variations of the melts, which are the restaurant's version of patty melts. I'm kind of okay with this. So I guess they put it on like sourdough or something. Chicken fries. Are also coming back. Yes, those are so good. Those are the bomb. And this time they have a spicy twist Uh to them. So I guess it's probably chicken fries and then like spicy chicken fries. The the limited time items come back to. Oh, I love that. The king. Did I? I don't think I knew that we called Burger King the king. Coming back to the king March 6th until May 14th. What was in the sky last night? No, it wasn't aliens. It was actually uh, between Venus and Jupiter. The two have been dancing around each other, I guess, in the night sky for about a week. But last night, they came to their closest point. So if you saw two bright bright, uh, star-like objects in the sky last night, one of them bigger and brighter than the other one, but they were right next to each other, that was... Jupiter and Mars, oh, sorry, Venus and Jupiter, kissing, as they say. And uh, they say this is the closest that these two will appear in the sky in 2023. Although, depending on the cloud coverage, you may be able to see them tonight, too, and actually the rest of the week. But I would try again tonight. So look up in the night sky. You're going to see two stars like formation right together One bigger and brighter than the other one. And that is Venus and Jupiter kissing. I kind of like that idea. All right. When it comes to the healthiest fast food cheeseburger in America, 
I was kind of surprised to see where In-N-Out ranked on this list. It came in number two. But the beloved In-N-Out is kind of a, I'm finger quoting here, healthy cheeseburger for you. So I guess analysts surveyed standard cheeseburger offerings from the top 10 fast food chains, but they looked at sugar, fat, salt, and the caloric content. What a burger actually came in first. That's in Texas. You know what? I've had a what a burger. Meh. It's fine. It's like, wow. But I didn't go, wow, what a burger. When I eat in and out, I smile. Literally smile. In and out was close though. So Whataburger had an 8.4 on a 10 point scale. In and out came in with an 8.2. However, I would like to see where In and Out would have ranked if they did what I like to do. If you go to In and Out, you can order your hamburger, you know, any way that you want, but just tell them no salt. You will never notice the difference. I promise you. So you can get all the other stuff on it, no salt, and you'll feel better about it. There you go. My advice for the day. KFI and KOST HD2 Los Angeles, Orange County. SoCal weather from KFI is mostly sunny today. Clear, very cold, though, as you get up this morning. Highs are just in the 30s and low 40s. But by tomorrow, we could see those highs coming up into the 60s. So it should be nice. We lead local live from the KFI 24-hour newsroom. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. This has been your wake-up call.